Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. So I'm sitting here at the PDAC, which is, of course, the biggest mining conference in, in the world. And I'm sitting next to a gentleman called Mickey Fulk. Mickey is also known as the Mercenary Geologist, and that is the name of his website where you can find some of his work. And Mickey's very good at uh, sourcing out the... How do I put this? The BS in the mining industry. He's, he's good at identifying companies with genuine deposits that might work and, and those that haven't got a hope. And um, your presentation this morning, Mickey, was, was excellent. And it was called The Good, The Bad and The But Ugly. So <laughs> why don't we start with, with, with the good? Let's start on a positive okay. note. What, what, do you lo- what do you look for in a mining company and why? The nature of this talk is juniors and metals and their flagship projects. So good, the bad, and the ugly basically refers to types of deposits and commodities that I consider a junior can be successful in. And there are four key criteria within that, a timeline to uh, from exploration development permitting, and most juniors have a lifespan of five to eight years. So you need to pick a project that can be further advanced to uh, a development that, that, that decision. That can work in that, in you know, that time in frame. That time frame. Otherwise, and why, why do you say five to eight? Is that because after but, that time they get diluted? Yeah, they yeah. blow out their share structure yeah. by equity financings. Yeah. Uh, the, the other would be low-cost producers, and that's kind of a no-brainer, which is uh, the, the, the lowest quartile with peer comparisons. Uh, another key tri- criteria would be exit strategies. So a, uh, a company that has an exit strategy of selling to a major. That happens about one in every 200 times. So you need a project that will have multiple exit strategies. And finally, uh, a key criteria... So in other words, either in an, it, it'll become a mine or a major will buy it out or... Or, or, or the, co- the company can develop a mine itself. Yeah, it's yeah, not too yeah. big. So you need something not too small, not too big, yeah. and middle-sized middle project. You don't want to project. be relying on selling to the greater fool, in other words. Right, right. And the final thing is is access to capital because a junior can a legitimate junior might be able to attract singly 50 to 100 millions perhaps in some cases 200 million dollars for capex for a mine and so they have to be able to raise that capital for me uh, without external uh, an external party a major mining company uh, or somewhat some some entity that they essentially have to give the deposit away yeah. and control the company in order to finance it. Okay, so now you used an example. Was it the Bingham Mine you used as an example, um, which is the the biggest? Tell us about the Bingham. Tell us about your example, the Bingham Mine. Okay. Well, the Bingham, Bingham Mine is is one of my bad criteria, and that would be. Oh, sorry. Copper, okay, fine. Oh, so we, have we done the gold? But, Should we move on uh, to the bad? Or? No. Well, let's go and do, so I laid the groundwork yeah. on how the good works. Yeah. The good and the bad and the ugly. I've laid the groundwork. Now let's go from the good. Okay. So I like open pit heap leach 
oxide yeah. gold deposits because yeah. they're open pitable, they're cheap to mine, they're low cost to put in production. And in an instance like Nevada, you can have a low cost gold mine in production from start to finish in five years. Okay. I also like uh, in situ recovery or copper oxide deposits, which in copper oxide deposit is really analogous in terms of its capital expenditures, its margin uh, over uh, operating margin, etc., cetera, uh, very similar to an oxide gold deposit. Uh, the final good for me is ISR, in situ recovery, or open pit heap leach uranium. Okay. Uh, and they're very similar in, the, in these three types of deposits in the fact that they they have low uh, capex, they have good margins, they are quick to develop, they are easy to permit in the right jurisdictions. So that's something. And there's multiple exit strategies. Yep. You can sell to a bigger company, you can develop yourself, you can joint venture with somebody, do a strategic alliance, you can build a mid-tier company out of by combining two or three small juniors, make a mid-tier gold producer on the order of what, uh, you know, Gold Corp started with that that yeah. sort of idea and, and built a major mining company eventually. So, so in other words, I mean, I'm a, in mining terms, I'm a rookie compared to you, but in, in other words, what you're looking at, every mine, that, every company that I've been invested in that has built a mine has encountered some kind of hitch on the way. So oh, yeah, in other words, you're looking for companies where there is going to be the minimum of hitches. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So let's move from there to the bad, shall okay. we? Okay. So the bad would be uh, examples. Well, let me – that uh, polymetallic deposits because they require big mills and high capex, and they also require smelters, which leads to third-party risk because no junior can ever – is not going to build a smelter. There's yeah. basically five or six companies in the free world, now exclude China, that – that run the world smelters. So, uh, so how much be, does a smelter cost to build? Oh, I have no idea. Okay, uh, I have silly money. Billions, silly, silly money. Even sillier than the price yeah, that the yeah, gold price is right. going to. In a few so, years. I don't like polymetallic okay. deposits. Uh, that would include lead, zinc, silver, BMS, volcanogenic massive sulfide, uh, the nickel, cobalt, platinum, copper deposits. For instance, Boise Bay, yeah. found by a junior, but but developed by a major. Yeah. Right. But um, within within those things that you don't like, you were very generous and said, you know, there are examples of companies that can work. There's always a rule. These are rules of thumb, okay? And okay. there's always exceptions. Uh, and so we, you mentioned briefly there Bingham Canyon. Well, it would cost probably $10 billion to put Bingham Canyon into, into production again. I mean, that mine has existed since... Uh, 1842. It's been. It was the world's first open pit copper mine. It's been in continuous open pit production since 1903. It will go until you and I are long gone and our grandkids are on the planet. Right. Okay. It will go and go and go. But to do something like that now requires uh, extensive capital ex, uh, expenditures. The lead time to develop from exploration to uh, delineation of, of, of a significant resource to uh, development permitting is a very long time frame for any of these porphyry coppers, well on uh, on the order of 10 to 15 years. So that Would you exceeds, include kind of Ivanhoe's mine in Mongolia in that category? Do you yeah, know big, well, BHP is now yeah. the partner, right? Yeah. So they can't do it themselves. And, and we've seen the struggles they've gone through on that. Yeah. So there, there is... Uh, 
exceptions to every rule. A good exception in porphyry copper would be Antares and Hakira. And so they were able to sell that deposit. But you've got to get 5 billion pounds before you're going to attract anybody yeah. uh, for a sale. And that takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, so those are three. Ex- and then my final uh Example of, of ugly deposits would be giant iron, iron ore deposits, okay. and those are big integrated steel companies. So a junior because can of the capex find, is so big yeah, on iron ore. Yeah, so you know it's uh, you're going to end up selling to cliffs, or if you find something big enough. But chances of finding something big enough are so slim that I tend to stay away from those mega deposits. Yeah, a lot of one juniors. In, what, what is the chance of finding something massive? Is one in a hundred thousand yeah, or something? Yeah, well, one in a couple of hundred probably yeah. in the junior resource sector and there's 1750 of these companies so uh you're looking at less than 10 will ever sell out to a major in this regard with those kind of big deposits okay so we move from the bad to the ugly right the butt ugly the butt ugly which always gets a laugh so uh (laughs) um and those would be let me ask you one question where where do you stand on those kind of bulk tonnage low-grade gold mines like the kind of a cisco all those ones on the cadillac trend where where, 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 do you well they, they work they do work. Oh, they can so work. They okay. can work. Because that sort of mini sector has been in a bit of a bear market. I mean, yeah. I mean it's been in a bear yeah. market. But. Uh, but, you know, with Cisco, it's been a, quite a long, drawn-out affair for a Cisco. Yeah. I don't really follow a Cisco. Uh, I don't know if they're profitable yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, I presume they are. Uh, but... Uh, those will work, but they're better things for me. So, okay. you know, I'm, the good is the stuff that I'm really interested in. And that doesn't mean that I won't speculate in other yeah. things just to play a trade. But the companies I cover are going to meet my criteria. Okay, very uh, good. But yeah. ugly. Yeah, and so that would include uh, things that... Uh, the supply demand commodities, the supply demand fundamentals are not strong. It will include sub-economic deposits, and it will include um, uh, deposits that are or commodities that are controlled by monopolies or oligopolies. Okay. And so then I gave some examples of those. So well, go on, give uh, us an example. Yeah. So a Tim. an example of something where. Uh, uh, Sub-economic deposits would be uh, uh, volcanic-hosted uranium deposits because there are no known examples in the world outside of Russia where a volcanic-hosted uranium deposit has actually worked. I see. I gave an example of of the Makassani district in Peru, and, and I don't think that's viable. Okay. I mean, or maybe they'll only work if the underlying commodity triples in price or something, right. in which case it's very, very risky because what happens if the commodity then falls? Right. Uh, that's what happened with your molybdenum example. Yeah, so I use Mali yeah. as, and I really dislike Mali porphyries because uh, the world's Mali mines are not really Mali. The world's Mali supply, let me say, is about 90% from byproduct of copper mining. So as goes copper, so goes Mali. Also, as goes the steel industry, so goes the demand yeah. for Mali. Uh, the, and the same applies to all those steel hardness. Yeah, I don't, I don't like ferrous metals because yeah. that's big boy football, if okay. you will. So, uh, so I use Mali porphyries as an example. I used uh, uh, specialty metals. Uh, I very much dislike, for the most part, specialty metals. And I was that gave, things like antimony and yeah, beryllium. lithium and beryllium and uh, 
tantalum and niobium. Yeah. I use the example of Ara Shaw in yeah. Brazil, which is a monopoly that basically controls 85% of the world's niobium market. Whatever Ara Shaw wants to do, they determine the price of niobium. They can make it rise. They can make it fall. They can flood the market. Okay. They, can, they can do whatever they want to. So that's a monopoly. Well, a monopoly, uh, and there's oligopolies in lithium space. Uh, yeah. There's been a couple of juniors that have succeeded, but that whole lithium bubble has burst, and, yeah. and there's been 100 companies fail in lithium space. I had a so, gentleman from an antimony company, company on this show, and the company had a market cap of something like $5 million, and they, they had, I think it was a 15,000-ton historic resource. I can't remember the, the exact numbers, but you were able to arrive at a valuation of their resource a half a billion. And but the company never did anything. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have a view on antimony, for example? Uh, it, and uh, we say antimony in the states, so okay. I'll say antimony. Okay. Uh, uh, I have looked at antimony. Yeah. I there is space, there is room in antimony space for a junior to succeed if you can find the right standalone antimony deposits. Most of the world's antimony comes as a byproduct of dirty smelters, yeah. uh, as does cadmium and bismuth and yeah. uh, various other metals that oftentimes occur with zinc and lead. Yeah. Right, uh, indiums another one. So uh, there may be a space. In the antimony world, if you can find the right standalone antimony deposit without I, all the other stuff, I understand. because you can build your own small antimonies. Okay, niche, the problem with those niche companies, though, they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're quite easy to sell. But then some, so they, I mean, you know, you can you can go on. I could go on stage and give you the antimony story and look at Chinese antimony demand versus Chinese antimony production, and all that, and you go, I've got to buy antimony. But but it. it they, I've, I've yet to see one that's really worked. Yeah, well, so have I. And, and you know, I so I beat up pretty good on the specialty metals and yeah. the ferrous metals. Uh, but there's always, and then I kind of ended the talk by talking about the these are rules of thumbs, and there, there's always exceptions. And so let's go to, to an exception in the beryllium world. Yeah. Beryllium is a monopoly controlled by Brush Wellman yeah. in the free world. And there's, there's, a, uh, there's basically... Two producers of beryllium yeah. in the world: Spore Mountain in Utah, Brush Wellman, and then uh, in Kazakhstan, there are stockpiles of beryllium that comes out a, of a processing plant, former Soviet Union. So, uh, and so in antimony space, I, part of my even in the Bud Ugly integrated integrated special metal companies can work and integrated that's mine to market right yeah. and one of those which works now although they have some share structure problems is IBC alloys yeah uh, friend of the show yeah yeah and so. and I think very highly of the management the problem uh, they should be cash flow positive sometime in the next year or so and but they are an integrated yeah beryllium company whose main business cash flow business is is, is beryllium alloy 
products, yeah. copper, beryllium alloy, and now they've got some patents on beryllium aluminum. The, the problem I've had with that company, of course, is too many shares outstanding, yeah. and, we, and I think we both hope that they, uh, they, address that. they address that in the near future. Okay, now, Mickey, we're, we're kind of running a bit low on time, and I've got a couple more questions. We kind of reached the end of, of your presentation, and these are, the, these are the things you need to look out for when you're investing in a company, and if that's not your area of expertise, then as an investor, we need to turn to newsletter writers like yourself who, who can separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Well, I so, appreciate that. So I, I want to ask you, why don't, so why don't you give, a, give out your website and, ask, and tell us okay. uh, about the service that you offer, and then I'm going to ask you about one other metal after oh. that. Okay. Uh, the website is mercenarygeologist.com. For bilingual and Chinese readers, we launched in the first of the year mercenarygeologist.asia and simplified Chinese. I run a sponsorship-based model, there, meaning that the companies that I am invested in it and I cover, and I have a self-imposed limit of 10, I'm covering nine companies right now, they pay to sponsor my website, which allows me to give a totally free subscription service yeah. to my subscribers. So all you have to do is go to my website, yeah. sign up, you get products that are restricted to my subscribers. My picks come out uh, and restricted to subscribers. And a lot of the other stuff, the educational stuff yeah. that I try to do, uh, under yeah. is is free to the public on the website. That, that, the last question I've got for you, tin. You did, that was on your list of on the butt ugly list. Um, tell us why you don't like tin and what could persuade you to like a company that uh, is exploring for tin. Um, I, I don't like tin because of historic cartel, the tin cartel, which controlled the price uh, in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, I have not looked at tin enough to know if tin is something I should be looking at. Perhaps it is. Uh, but I just... I'm going by history uh, and the tin cartel, and y okay. you've been around uh, maybe not quite as long as I have, but uh, but you have plenty of gray hair. I don't have any hair anymore, <laughs> but but we both remember the tin cartel. Yeah. So so I your point's well taken. I think the point you're trying to make is maybe I ought to take a look at tin. I've just got uh, a tin company. I like. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I'd be very interested in uh, talking to you about this tin company because okay. cause there are exceptions to every one of my rules of thumb. Okay. Now, in 2009, I watched you do a presentation in uh, downstairs in this in the, at this very same convention, and you said that the next. Um, well, I think you said the next bubble, but the next kind of uh, glory metal, if you like, the next one everyone's going to get excited about is rare earths. And this year you said everyone's going to get excited about... Graphite. Graphite. Graphite, Graphite is the new rare it's, earth, is it? It's, uh, it's, go it's going to be a bubble. Uh, it's early on right now. Uh, it's a good time to get into a favorite graphite play if you have one. How many graphite uh, companies are there? Uh, I don't know right now. Here's what I am realizing that every shark, snake, and charlatan in Vancouver, in other words, most promoters yeah. are looking for a graphite play to, 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 uh, to fund a graphite company right now. Is that now. right? So it, it, it is the newest thing on the block. I think it's going to be the next big thing. Uh, I have one How favorite, do you mine graphite? Uh, very easily mined. Most mines are open pit mines. It's okay. just mined, and it's a standard processing technique of, of, of grinding, of flotation, of, of uh, uh, recovery, 
uh, of a concentrate, of drying it, sacking it, and yeah. and shipping it. So it's a very standard uh, mine mill process. Um, the key is you need to make a very high-grade graphite concentrate, 95% yeah. or better graphite. Uh, the other key is is the flake size. So uh, the great demand is in what's called large flake graphite and not amorphous graphite, which the Chinese have. The Chinese are running out of large flake graphite. Okay. So I see an opportunity in the graphite business right Okay, now. that's interesting. And, well, you heard it here first, ladies and gents, and uh, uh, we'll, all, we'll all look at our tennis rackets in a, an entirely different way from yeah. now on. Grip it and rip it, they say, on the <laughs> golf course, right? So. And, and our golf clubs as well. Um, absolutely right. Mickey Fulp, it's been a real pleasure. One more time, the website. Mercenarygeologist.com, mercenarygeologist.asia. Okay, thank you very much. Mickey. Thank you, Dominic. It's a pleasure. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 